This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie and helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Make Congress work again. That's what we'll be discussing on the show today. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. I am your host, Walker Wildman, and it's great to be here. For more information about today's show and all past shows, you can visit AFR.net on the internet, our website AFR.net. On the top of the page there, you'll see a podcast link. If you click on the podcast link, a couple podcasts down there, a couple couple links down, will be the Exposing Washington podcast link. If you click on that link, It'll take you to, to my page there, my, my podcast page. And then you can find all of the past shows. You can find today's uh, a show already posted there. So uh, also any links and news articles that I talk about during the, new, uh, the show today, you can find all of those news stories linked on the podcast page. Simply visit AFR.net. Also, if you have like a smartphone, an iPhone, an Android, an iPad, any kind of tablet device. If you go to the to the podcast store or the or the app store, you can download the Exposing Washington podcast, and that's very handy because if maybe maybe you're a bike rider, you're a runner, or on your way to work, maybe you're uh, you you want to listen to the show, you can pull it up on your podcast uh, on your phone, and you can listen to it whenever and wherever you are. And uh, so, the great great uh, many ways to keep up with the show. Uh, lastly, you can email me exposingwashington at afr.net, exposingwashington at afr.net. That email comes directly to my email box. Well, the topic we're going to talk about, I mentioned it earlier. I kind of teased it at the beginning there. Make Congress work again. And I'll get all into that, how we're going to make Congress actually work like the rest of us do. But before that, you know, I want to hit on the Russia investigation. It seems like I can't let a week go by without talking about the phony Russia investigation that Robert Mueller is heading up, the former FBI director. Well, I I just can't let it go. And I told you many months ago that I would not let it go until we figured something out, until it was either ended or, you know, President Trump was exonerated. So I want to keep touching on it. And Thursday, this past Thursday, May 17th, marked the one-year anniversary of the special counsel, of the Robert Mueller-led special counsel. Now, the whole phony investigation where they started out getting the FISA warrant back during the campaign on President Trump, then-candidate Trump, that whole the whole investigation in large has been going on for probably over two years now. But Robert Mueller and the special counsel has been going on since May of 2017. So Robert Mueller, kind of the lead guy in this special counsel, has about 13-some-odd Democratic or Democrat attorneys. And they have been fishing 
fishing for over a year and haven't found anything. They haven't found anything related to the whole purpose of their existence. And the reason I can say that is because they've been charging and indicting Michael Cohen, Michael Flynn, and Paul Manafort on these totally unrelated charges that have nothing to do with the purpose of the special counsel. So they've been on this fishing expedition that that's a legal term of, 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 a, of prosecutors who just go looking out, looking for crimes, go out looking for crimes. They call it fishing expeditions because they're, they're, they're just, you know, scouring people's personal lives and just throwing out a fishing rod and hoping they snag something. So that's what Robert Mueller and his team been doing. They've been fishing. They've been deep sea fishing for over a year and they have not caught one fish. They have not caught one fish. And uh, to, to, to prove that um, these, these attorneys are all Democrats, you know, all the, all the, all the attorneys are Democrats, and, and in the media will say, well, Robert Mueller's a registered Republican. Well, what does that mean nowadays? That does not mean anything, because half of Washington's registered Republicans, and Washington's as corrupt as it ever has been. So Republicans are the problem, too. But nonetheless, I move on. Three, I'm just going to point out three of the lawyers who are on Robert Mueller's team. This is from a Fox News piece. It will be posted on my podcast page at AFR.net. The first lady that I'm going to highlight, her name's uh, Jenny Ray. Jenny Ray is a former partner at Wilmer Hill. Wilmer Hill, that's a law firm. She's also a former assistant U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia there in Washington, D.C. And lastly, most importantly, (laughs) get this, she has donated more than $10,000 to Democratic candidates like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. So there you go. That's number one, Janie Ray, number one of three of of the Democratic uh, Democrat attorneys that Robert Mueller's hired. So number one, she's donated uh, over ten thousand. Number two, James Quarles, I believe how you pronounce his name. James Quarles, last name Q U A R L E S. He's a former partner at Wilmer Hill. Does that sound familiar? Yes, that's the same law firm that the lady I just mentioned used to work at. He's also the former assistant special prosecutor for the Watergate Special Prosecution Force. The last most important note, he, Mr. James, has donated more than $7,000 to President Barack Obama in the last decade. So when he was a senator, Mr. James there uh, donated to Senator Obama, then President Obama. Also, guess who else he's donated to? Who? Let's see, maybe he's donated to, to Donald Trump. Huh, no, not at all. <laughs> he donated $2,700 to the Clinton presidential campaign. So that's almost $10,000 to Democratic candidates, once again, between Obama and Clinton. The third fellow on, on Mueller's team that I want to highlight, this guy's name is Andrew Wiseman. Andrew Wiseman is a former general counsel at the FBI and assistant U.S. attorney for East for the Eastern District of New York. Guess how much Mr. Wiseman has donated to Obama? $5,000. Andrew Wiseman donated nearly $5,000 to the 2008 um, 
Obama campaign, and he's also donated some money to the Democratic National Committee. So that's just three of the of the 12 or 13 attorneys, those three, all registered Democrats, or at least they vote Democratic, and they've all given money to either Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, or the Democratic National Committee. That's important because they're trying to prosecute a Republican president, so you cannot say their party registration does not matter. But moving on here, Rudy Giuliani... The, the president's new attorney, been there about a week or two, uh, hinted that he might, that the president might sit down with Robert Mueller. And he hinted at this in a Washington Times exclusive, WashingtonTimes.com. This will be posted at the podcast page. The headline is, Robert Mueller agrees to narrow scope, to narrow the scope of questions in a bid to interview Trump. So basically, Robert Mueller's kind of conceding that, okay, okay, we won't ask as many questions that the president will sit down with us. And now Rudy Giuliani in this piece does not um, say that the president's going to sit down with the special counsel, but he, he kind of warms himself up to it, warms the president up to it. And I just got to say, that is a bad idea in all caps. In all caps, that's a bad idea. I don't care if, if Robert Mueller wants to narrow it down to one question. I would not answer one question from Robert Mueller. Because if you start answering one question, first you legitimize their illegitimate investigation by answering their question. Second off, they will take, if, you, if, if President Trump says that he thinks the sky's blue, Robert Mueller would probably indict him saying it's cloudy outside because President Trump wasn't technically correct, or he would perjure him. So I would not answer one, one question from the special counsel. I would not sit down with them at all. It, can, it cannot serve President Trump's interest at all to sit down with the special counsel. Also, Robert Mueller can end his investigation without even talking to President Trump. Nowadays, with all of the subpoenas and documents and technology, Robert Mueller knows all he needs to know by now. He's been doing this for over a year. He knows everything he needs to know. He knows whether President Trump did anything wrong or not. Matter of fact, he's already said that President Trump hasn't done anything wrong. So why is his investigation still ongoing? Well, that's a very, very good question. But my point being that Robert Mueller is bad. His entire team of lawyers are bad. The, the count, special counsel in its investigation is rotten to the core because it is based on no crime. There's an investigation into no crime. That in itself is the rocky, is, is the shaky foundation that this investigation is, is based on. And so we cannot start to give it merit by the president of the United States sitting down with the special counsel. But nonetheless, the Democrats and Robert Mueller, they want to drag this thing out. And for any of those out there, even the president's attorneys who think that Robert Mueller's about to wrap this investigation up, who are you kidding? This whole investigation was birthed to be the demise of Donald Trump. And we somehow think that these hardcore Democrat prosecutors are going to wrap this thing up? and admit that they haven't found anything? No, this thing's going to go on for years. 
I really think that this thing will go on for like two to three years if nothing is done. They're not, it, it will, it, at a minimum, listen to this, at a minimum, it will go on past November of 2018. Why is that important? Because Robert Mueller and his political operatives are not going to exonerate the president because they haven't found any crime. They're not going to end their investigation and effectively exonerate the president just before election season because that would make all the Democrats look like jokes because they've all been claiming that President Trump is guilty of some kind of crime called collusion, which is nowhere mentioned in law. Um, so the, the, Robert Mueller's not going to wrap this up before a, a, a November election. That is a joke because that will sure, surely ensure that the, the Republicans win a landslide in November. And so we are not dealing with fair-minded people. And that's, that's the other note I want to take. But I'm going to go ahead and play clip one. This is Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who's also now the president's lead attorney. Mayor Giuliani is talking about when he thinks the Mueller probe should end. Let's listen. Uh, timeline. What is your optimal timeline for this to wrap up? They should do it today. I mean, uh, as soon as possible. Uh, I think that they have the facts from which they can write their report. If you're going to write a fair report, fine, write it. If you're going to write an unfair report, write it, and we will combat it. We're ready to rip it apart, and we're ready to rip them apart if that's what they want. We would rather peacefully settle this and get it over with. Well, there you have it. That's Rudy Giuliani. Um, what I want to make a note about that is uh, I'm just glad that Rudy Giuliani is getting tough. You know, for months now, we've been playing this whole game, go along to get along. We'll turn over all the documents you need, Mr. Mueller. You know, whatever you need, sir, we're here to answer your questions. No, it's time to stop that. They've handed over, the White House has handed over over 1.4 million, not thousand, million documents to the special counsel, and not one crime related to its original mission has been found. And so it's time to stop playing Mr. Nice Guy. I wouldn't turn over one more document. I wouldn't turn over one more document. I wouldn't reply to anything that the special counsel requests. Because it's obviously not helping. It's obviously not helping. Now, I think it was okay to turn over all those documents because President Trump hasn't done anything wrong, and we all know it. But nonetheless, this whole, you know, let's just do whatever Mueller says thing is not working. But to prove how out of touch the Democrats are, I want to play clip two here. This is Senator Blumenthal, I believe, from Connecticut. But Senator Blumenthal, it, it, you know, first off, as I mentioned last week on the show, a sitting president cannot be indicted and he cannot be subpoenaed. So a sitting president cannot be indicted, cannot be subpoenaed. So that being said, let's listen to Senator Blumenthal on whether President Trump can be indicted. Let's listen. I happen to believe, having reviewed a lot of the same law, that a president can be indicted. Why? Because no one is above the law. The president has profoundly important duties of office. But those responsibilities can be reconciled with an indictment and a delay of the trial until he is out of office. This, this guy, Senator Blumenthal, is representing a state in the United States Senate. And he doesn't even know what the Constitution says. This is unbelievable. These are the people running our government. No wonder Washington is how it is. 
He he just said, well, I, I you know, I've read the legal documents and I, I really think that a president can be indicted. No, he can't. That's why a sitting president has never been indicted. We This country's been around for over 200 years. Not one president has been indicted. That's because they can't be indicted, Mr. Blumenthal. And I believe I'm right here. Article 1, Section 3 of the Constitution, if my memory serves me right. I, w- I meant to bring my pocket constitution in here, but I forgot. Article 1, Section 3, I believe... If it's not that, it's somewhere in there because I just read it. But it's laying out basically grounds of impeachment that the the House and Senate can do and whether a president can be impeached, which he can. But at the end of the clause or the section, it says basically that once a president has been impeached, then he can be subject to testifying before a grand jury he can be subpoena, indicted, charged with a crime, put in jail. But it but it specifically says basically that after a president has been impeached, that then those things can take place. Which means for anyone who's read the Constitution, that before a president's impeached, he cannot be subpoena or indi- subpoenaed or indi- indicted. But Senator Blumenthal, I don't know what legal documents he's reading because it's not the ones I'm reading. Another interesting development in this um, is one last thing on the, on the Mueller probe, and then I'm going to move on here because I was supposed to be talking about make, making Congress work again, so I need to get to that. But one last thing is, and I'll post this link, is that there are reports out there that the FBI had a mole or an informant within the Trump campaign. The FBI, you heard me right, potentially had an informant planted in the in the Trump campaign and they were relaying information to the FBI. And I would want to bet you the FBI is relaying information to the Clinton campaign. So there you have it. More, more on that later uh, as that develops. But that is, what, um, that is what the reports say. And I, of course, I'll post a link to that. But moving on to making Congress work again, you know, this is a campaign that that uh, former Senator Jim DeMint has started. He is a former president uh, or CEO of the Heritage Foundation. But the Congress, uh, th- th- this Congress is historically unproductive. And we've talked about this before on the show. Confirmations are creeping along at a snail's pace. Not even a turtle's pace. Talking a snail here. These these confirmations of these executive branch appointments are going historically slow. And the Democrats have filibustered, you've heard that term. They basically tried to block President Trump's nominees over 80 times. And you compare that to former presidents. I believe President Obama had maybe nine-something... I don't know the exact numbers, but basically over the past 20 years or more, the past 20 to 30 years, the Senate has used the, quote, filibuster or the 30 hours of debate like 30-something times in the last 30 years or so. But just in the, in the last 16 months, 
in the last 16 months, the, the Senate has, has blocked or slow-rolled over 86, I think, of President Trump's nominees. So, um, uh, so anyways, Congress is historically unproductive. And not to mention the slow rolling of the confirmations. Basically, no major legislation has passed. Now, you can say, well, tax reform. Well, yeah, tax reform was good, but that's one bill. And they've been up there in Washington with President Trump for 16 months. So one bill, and we hold the House and the Senate, Republicans hold the House and the Senate and the White House, and all you could get was one bill. And not to mention the tax cuts aren't even permanent yet. They're temporary. So Congress hasn't gotten much legislation through either. And to add to this, Congress works roughly two and a half days a week. You heard me right. Congress works roughly two and a half days a week. Well, how does that work, Walker? Don't they work Monday through Friday? No, they don't. They might tell you they do, but they don't. Here's what they do. Monday is a fly-in day. Monday, no work gets done. They fly into Washington from their home states on our taxpayer dime. Tuesday is a work day. Wednesday is a work day. Well, guess what happens on Thursday? Thursday after lunch, they're back on a plane headed home. Are many of them stay in Washington, D.C. So that's two and a half days a week that Congress works on average. <laughs> Three days would be considered working overtime for Congress. Meanwhile, you and I, at a minimum, are working 40 hours a week. Some folks, a lot of folks, work 50, 60, 70 hours a week, some 80 if they're working some of these manufacturing job work, jobs working 12, 14, 16-hour days. But nonetheless, Congress is working about two and a half days a week. And who's responsible for this lack of work? Well, a lot of people, but basically it boils down to Senator Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, and basically Republican leadership. Let's just boil it down. Republicans are in charge. I'm tired of blaming the Democrats. I've been blaming the Democrats for the last nine years because they were in charge, or at least of the White House. And they had Congress for a couple years. But it's time to blame Republicans. Republicans are in charge, so I'm, I'm not going to blame the Democrats anymore. Are they responsible for some of the lack of progress up in Washington? Absolutely they are. But at the end of the day, the Republicans are in charge. They control the rules. They, controls what, they control what gets done. And we are four months away from Congress needing to pass a budget to fund the government. And you all know, if you've kept up with the news, the past, this past year or two, and really beyond that, Congress has been doing these last-minute budget deals where basically they bring up a, a budget, this big jumbo thousand-plus-page budget, like a day in advance, and then they say, all right, we're voting on this tomorrow at lunchtime. Good luck reading it all. So, so this whole budget process has been broken for a long, long time. And President Trump, I'm going to play clip through right here. This is President Trump back in April, just over a month ago, where he said, look, I'm tired of these bad budget deals. Let's listen. There are a lot of things that I'm unhappy about in this bill. There are a lot of things that we shouldn't have had in this bill, but we were, in a sense, forced, if we want to build our military, we were forced to have. There are some things that we should have in the bill. 
But I say to Congress, I will never sign another bill like this again. I'm not going to do it again. Nobody read it. It's only hours old. Some people don't even know what it is. $1.3 trillion. It's the second largest ever. President Obama signed one that was actually larger, which I'm sure he wasn't too happy with either. But in this case, it became so big because we need to take care of our military. And because the Democrats, who don't believe in that, added things that they wanted in order to get their votes. And once again there, that, that's President Trump committing. He's saying, on the record, I will not do this again. I'm not going to sign another one of these horrible budgets again. And at the end there, he, he blamed the Democrats, which is fine and it's kind of true. But I'm not blaming the Democrats anymore. It's the Republicans' fault. It's the Republicans' fault. And if you go on the congressional website for, for basically their budget process, I'll post this on the podcast page at AFR.net, exposing Washington podcast page at AFR.net. This link will be posted. But if you go on Congress's website, you can keep up with basically their how they're doing when it comes to passing a budget. And if you go to the budget page for FY19, fiscal year 2019, which is due September 30th of 2018, the budget for 2019, they have not gotten anything done. You know, it's one thing if you go and they're kind of working on it. They got a couple couple bills passed, you know, and they're just they're just trying to hurry and get this thing thing through. If you go to this page, literally the whole page is empty. The whole page is empty. You look at these charts, you know, it says like committee approval, House and then Senate. Like has it passed the 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 House committee and the Senate committee? Then it says, well, Passage in the House, in the full House and full Senate. And, and it goes on and on and on, and then it has a final box where the president's supposed to have signed it. And so you can keep up with the status of all these bills. And they haven't done anything. And so we're four months out from a budget being due to the president's desk to fund our government, fund our military, and, and Congress isn't doing anything. You know, I just wonder, what do they do up there? I guess if you work two and a half days, it's hard to get anything done. Anyways, I'll post this link. You really want to look at this. And, and, and folks, we need to check on this like, like once a week. I encourage you, just go back, check on this, on this page on Congress's website, and just look for yourself. Look for yourself what Congress is doing or what Congress is not doing. Next week, the American Family Association, really this upcoming week, the American Family Association, of whom I work for, the Parent Ministry of American Family Radio, we're about to start counting down and getting heavily involved in this budget process. We're going to start keeping Congress accountable. We're going to give you status updates as to whether Congress is doing their job, whether they're passing these spending bills like they're supposed to. So stay tuned on that. You can visit AFA.net next week and keep up to date. Thank you, folks, for joining the show today. Great to have you here. Want to know more information? AFR.net. You can listen to the show. Stay up to date. We'll be back next week exposing Washington, keeping you informed on what's going on in Washington, and telling you the truth. See you next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.